It's time for my check of bones. Let's make this fast. Sorry, Jim. Starfleet just handed me the orders. I'm to give every male crew member a prostate exam. Fine. Which one of these gizmos do I blow? I have to insert my finger into your rectum and examine the prostate gland. This isn't fair. It's routine, Jim. I was talking about your walnut-sized knuckles. I'm going to get hollowed out. Are you ready, Jim? Just go, Bones. Boldly go. Where no man has gone before. Not while I was sober. Uh, <laughs> I swear I touch one thing on this computer. And it's like, <laughs> oh my god, no! <laughs> Nailed it! Uh, okay, that's probably where we're dropping at. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, welcome to episode 10 of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast, where each Monday we pair the finest of cocktails with the finest of graphic novels and comic books. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, www.funnybooksandfirewater, you can find uh, all the recipes for the drinks that uh, feature in today's show. You can also find links to all of our social media, which is uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Grinder, uh, all that stuff. Uh, and uh, let's see. This week we are discussing a still-running comic book, but this is the first trade of Saga. Uh, so this is Saga Volume 1 by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. And joining us this week we have our normal accoutrement of people. We have, of course, in uh, fancy land with, uh, with technologically impaired and Twitter famous, we have Q. <laughs> oh, dear Jesus. Um, <laughs> so I had a bit of a... Uh, technology malfunction earlier our dear listeners which was amazing and i've also been drinking all day (laughs) um so uh i'm super drunk right now so you're all fucking welcome um but yeah so 1776 is uh coming up at port tobacco players uh ptpplayers.com um i am doing the costumes they're going to be phenomenal um, so I'm really excited for, excuse me, oh, I just burped gross <laughs> beer. Um, we're a classy, classy. You're welcome. <laughs> um, for, for that, I'm Cla- a classy lady. Listen, I just am. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, also coming soon is I'm, uh, doing some work for a gyp- production of Gypsy, White Christmas, uh, Tempest and Sister Act, so I'm I'm looking forward to all of that. And um, yeah, I've been drinking lawnmower beer all day. Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's just anything that has light at the end of the word. <laughs> um, that's awesome. That's that's what we call that out here in Southern Merlin. Merlin. So. Yes, Mer- Mer- Merlin. I don't think you got that. Lane, Merlin. It, it, <laughs> don't be telling us stories about terrible nights. I'm not saying shit. I just had to. <laughs> <bring it up. laughs> um, uh, so anyway, uh, yay! I'm here. I actually hit on something he's a little embarrassed by. That's kind of amazing. You <laughs> <laughs> just heard him shut up, ladies and gentlemen. It is a first on this podcast. Q got a little embarrassed. That's kind of impressive. Uh, also someone who is impressive and proud of themselves, uh, we have Todd. Hi, I'm Todd. I'm a big Vertigo fan and Image Comics. Not so much main superheroes, but for me this past week, the big thing I've discovered is the Bayou local bar here has uh, their own app on their phone listing all their beers. It, really? Yeah. It's like it taps into on tap and everything. So you can go on and download the app and it lists all the beers they have. And I fell in love with the Vander Ginste Oude Bruin. And it's a Belgium Flanders red ale. It's like a tastes like sour cherries. It was amazing, hmm. and absolutely loved it. 
And now I want to try all the beers just so I can check it off on the app of going, I've had that one, I've had that one, I've had that one. That's how that will take you a right long, there. long, long time. Yeah, there's about 300 beers on the bottle at the Bayou. So, yeah. And then being in City Creek today, um, it is Pride Weekend, and there's a lot of people that are much prettier than I will ever be. And it was a little sad. That's okay. They're prettier than I am, too, and I suck cock as well. So <laughs> You don't have to be pretty to suck cock. But you can both still go to prom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Q. Oh, I feel there's yeah. a country song there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and so then, of course, the king of the dirty country western song, we have Adam also in Utah. Yep. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Chinese Robot doing film reviews and all kinds of other crazy stuff. Um, also with Andy Wilson on the Board as Hell podcast. And yeah, it's Pride Weekend. Um, normally I go on Saturdays, but Eddie has to work and he'll bitch if I go. So I have to wait till tomorrow. So instead, we're just going to chill here, do this, and then drink and play some Overwatch, which I'm horrible at. So if you want to kick my ass, uh, find me on PS4, Ender2155, and you can blow my head off in Overwatch. Rock on. They'll probably you know sneak up on you and snipe you and do the whole nine yards. Uh, and uh, I am Brian from Southern California, uh, freelance sound designer sometimes and a few other things. Uh, coming up, I am uh, designing three shows for the uh, Lyric Rep up in Logan, Utah. So if you are uh, one of our Logan, or Utah friends or Logan friends you want to go see some uh, yacha, um, I will uh, be doing some shows there. Uh, first one I'm doing is Arsenic and Lace, which opens on June 9th. Um, and then I'm doing Baskerville, which opens on June 16th. And then I, they are doing Singing in the Rain, which opens on June 23rd, but I am not doing that. Um, And then uh, I am doing You Can't Take It With You, which opens on June 30th. And they all run uh, periodically through the summer. And they uh, close up on the last day uh, on August 6th. Uh, So that is the summer season for Lyric. Um, And yeah, so uh, come check out some theater. And uh, yeah, you can read my nerdy little bio because they only gave me 100 words to write basically nothing. So, this week, uh, as we discussed earlier in my intro that I did live for the first time, thank you very much, and I'm going to probably keep that, so I'm recording twice. Um, we are doing stock app, but we are also drinking. So, uh, who would like to start with drinks? We'll, uh, we'll throw out volunteers. Um, I can go ahead and go. So, I, I tried something a little bit different. I figured, I don't really have a name for this drink, but I figure Saga's kind of like an adventure. So, I would adventure into something, <clears throat> an ingredient I've never used before, which are bitters. Because I just ne- never really dawned on me that they'd be interesting, but they really, really change uh, the dynamic of a drink. So what I did was I kind of did a twist up on my um, Blue Mandarin Twist Martini, which is uh, two ounces of uh, absolute orange or whatever kind of orange flavored vodka you want to get, one ounce of blue curacao, uh, two dashes of orange bitters, and then the juice of one blood orange. And you shake it up over ice and strain it, and it's quite tasty. The bitters definitely give it a more depth of flavor that I wasn't really expecting, so um, I won't drink too much of these because they will turn your shit green, but (laughs) (laughs) trust me, I know from experience. Um, And it's also, it's a little bit, you know, it's pretty sweet, so, you know, you can see the hangover kind of vibe coming, but, oh, I like it a lot. It's amazing how just one drop of something can totally change how a drink tastes. Awesome. Uh, Todd, staying in Utah, what are you drinking or recommending? I am drinking, um, after reading the book and looking for inspiration there, I found a drink online called the White Spider. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that bitch. <Right>? So, um, <laughs> it's one part vodka, one part creme de menthe, and one part the white cacao liqueur. So, it's a minty, chocolatey, vodka-y drink that I've been having a little too much of today. 
It's great. Ooh. Yeah. But the Wyatt Spider. Okay. Uh, Q, what are you recommending this week? So, once again, I've been drinking lawnmower beer all day. <laughs> and um, I've been scrambling to come up with a cocktail for today. Because I literally just finished reading this book like 21 minutes ago. Um, so I've come up with something I would like to call the Wings and Horns, which is a just a regular mojito with uh, some melon liqueur in it to turn it a little green, like um, Alana's Wings, and then the uh, use some sugar cane, like they do in uh, South South Beach, Miami, um, to have some horns coming out of that cocktail. Welcome to Miami. Yes, and so it just sounded really delicious. I wanted to do something with the wings and horns, um, kind of thing that they talk about in this book and it just sounds real tasty. Okay. So. Wings and horns sound like something I'm going to try in bed tonight with Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Yes. <laughs> 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 that does sound really, really good. Like, you have to text me the recipe so I can make it later. <laughs> I, well, seeing as how I just made it up, um, hey, that's where all the best drinks come from. I mean, all I mean, it, literally, I'm just like a mojito with some own liqueur, <laughs> a drop of grenadine, and it can be the red wings and horns. Ooh, I'm just Red wings are gross. Okay, and um, I is this, is this a show? Are we doing this? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. So, sometimes I feel. Sometimes I feel the same way. I'm like, wait, are we actually doing this? We're actually gonna give. Do, do other people actually listen to this? Yeah, yeah shockingly enough, and we appreciate all of them. Uh, yes, we do. We love you. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> I want to touch each of you. We're giving you free blowjobs for Pride Weekend. (laughs) Hey, Pride! Pride. (laughs) And unfortunately, we record this uh, a couple weeks in advance, so Pride Weekend is over. It's always Pride somewhere. Sorry. That doesn't mean that I still haven't blown all of Sonic City. Long distance, too. I'm extremely so, talented. Some men have no gag reflex. You have extremely long lips. <laughs> First of all, I don't have a gag reflex either. So. Oh, you must be very popular with the boys. <laughs> Toothpaste, however, makes me vomit, so go figure. <laughs> and, oh my god, I'm too drunk for this podcast. We are making this gayer every single time. <laughs> Poor Sorry, <time>. mom. <laughs> you know, it's... Why? Anyway, so like, Brian, drink. Just gets to a point where I'm just sitting here going like, I got nothing to add to this conversation. I really like, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm fine with toothpaste personally. Uh, that's just me. But um, did you get tube steak? Uh, <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Brian, cocktails. What are you recommending this week? Cocktails. I'm too sober for this. Talk. He was too drunk for this shit. Yes, I'm too you sober are. for this. I actually I've only had one drink today, so I'm still pretty sober too. <laughs> I think I'm absorbing drunkness from Q by osmosis. Uh, probably. This is going to be very interesting. Um, so uh, this week I'm recommending the Sazerac because it's a it's an old classic cocktail, but it sounds like something you would find in a space opera of some kind or another. Uh, and the recipe I have is a slight variation on uh, the original, but uh, it also is tasty. Uh, it is two dashes of bitters, uh, two ounces of rye, a splash of uh, herbicide or some other absinthe substitute. So I would use absinthe because um, I have some. 
and then a half ounce of simple syrup um, and one sugar cube and a tiny splash of water. Um, and basically you uh, splash the uh, absinthe type thing into a glass and then pour, swish out the, uh, swirl it around and then dump out the extra. And then you pour, um, you add the rye and syrup and the bitters and you stir with the ice cube to chill and you strain it into a chilled uh, rocks glass. And uh, you can garnish it with a lemon and orange peel as this recipe says, if you want to be fancy. But to be honest with you, I never do the garnishes because I don't have enough fucking time for that. Um, so... It's so now that we've gay. That out of the way. What? It's so gay to have garnishes. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't have time. For no, that. I'm like saying if that. I was at a bar. I would expect it, yes. But at <laughs> home, I'm, I'm, who am I trying to impress? Myself? No, no one cares. You know. So, you, your theme song. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> I'm surprised I got away with not like having that interrupt me almost immediately. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm actually um, so spoiler alert. I love this book and I'm currently shopping on Amazon for the rest of all the trades that are available. So I think there was so like that's, six out at this point in time. Yes, there's six out currently. And there, so that's what I'm currently. Yeah, doing. I think I, I read through issue 25 during its run, and then like I said, like I, I just got too busy with work. But yeah, this is. Uh, to jump, jump in, this is a fantastic series. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Um, but uh, for those of you who haven't read it, we'll do a quick, uh, uh, basically, summation. Uh, it's about um, it's a futuristic sci-fi uh, uh, epic battle, uh, or ep- epic, hence the saga. It's a very large space saga, opera kind of thing. Uh, where basically you have uh, a planet and a moon that have two different uh, species living on them. One has horns, one has wings, and they are warring with each other, but they realize that uh, in warring with each other, eventually because one is a moon, one is a planet, they're both sort of dependent on each other. If they fuck up their planets, they're both going to die. So they do what all great wars do, and they send the battles to other countries, and basically they hire other people to fight. Other planets. Yeah, other planets, sorry. Other planets, and they hire other people to fight the battles for them. So, um, so this is a tale of um, a a, uh, a winged soldier and a uh, a soldier with horns, who end up the soldier with horns gets arrested, and the soldier with wings uh, she works as a basically a prison guard, and uh, the two of them, as we start the story, have fallen in love, and have uh, gotten married and have uh, had are about to have their first child, and so the story is slightly. Um, uh, narrated by uh, their child from, you know, talking about how she was raised and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and so she is sort of the narrator of it, but it is basically this tale of, you know, these. it's sort of a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing where it's these two people who um, their people don't want them to be in love or, or prove that, like, hey, you know what, we could just get along and everything would be fine. Because, uh, you know, the war runs on these two factions of people hating each other, and if they suddenly didn't hate each other, then what would you have? So, uh, is that a fairly... Mean, Close summation. Anybody else have anything they want to add to that? Yes, I mean that's that's good. So it also appears that the um, the wing side of people are more like kind of technology based. Their ruling class is uh, robots, which somehow still have sex and get pregnant. Yeah. So I'm fairly interested in where that goes, and um, and then the the moonies, as they're derogatorily mm-hmm. called, uh, from from the moon with the horns, are sort of a magic based people, um, a little more, a little more, um, I guess, earthy. Kind of like people. like druids, kind of like. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they uh, you know they have a little more in keen with uh, 
with uh, magic, and they also they can do magic uh, spells and things like that. But like the the fuel for magic is, if I remember correctly, it's a secret. So that you have to learn something, or you have to have a secret about something that most people don't know about them, in order for you to use that as fuel to you know do a secret pass of some kind. So of course, um, of course, I'm not necessarily certain. Like to be honest with you, if I had these kind of magic skills. I might bullshit that as a way of uh, of just finding out stuff about people that I wanted to just be like, yeah, I could do that, but you have to tell me a secret. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh my god! So that is probably one of my favorite scenes where then he goes, "Do I have to define what secret means right now?" Because she she's just like, uh, "I tell people I'm taller than I am." It's like, no, bitch, that's not what I mean. Sorry, don't, don't no, forget though, you also have uh, multiple bounty hunters out, so because of their oh, yes. of their crimes oh, yeah. of pretty much desertion of their armies and uh, falling in love with each other. Uh, they, they're at least that we've met so far. There are two bounty hunters going after them. Uh, and he, their uh, directive is to kill the parents and rescue the baby because they won't kill a child. So, and, but, but the th- and they're being hired by the horns, whereas the wings just want them dead. Yeah. But the, uh, the, the, the one bounty hunter is uh, the will. And he's kind of like, just, you, don't, you don't really get to know much about him, but aside from the fact that, you know, when he goes to was it Sex Million? Is that the name of the place? Yeah, Sex Million. Yeah, basically a pleasure planet. Yeah, and he rescues this little girl that's been kept there as a six-year-old sex slave. Um, and so you, you kind of get the sense that he's kind of like, kind of like more of like a kind of a Han Solo in a sense, where he's a badass, but he has a heart of gold. Um, that's kind of the yeah. the feeling I got from him at least. Um, but yeah, he's well, I mean, like, and he's he's a bounty hunter because that's his job. But he as a as a character, as a, as I, mean, I don't know if person's the right word, but um, his character is, he's actually sort of a naturally good yeah. uh, character. And then, you know, like he, he wants good things for people. He's just, you know, he hunts down people because that's what he's yeah. made. And then he also has a, a past history with the other bounty hunter, which is called the stock. Uh, it's kind of like this spider looking thing. It's like this, yeah, all, all bounty hunters have a the in their yeah. name. Like that's, that's how you know that you're a bounty hunter. You are the, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so they're both kind of going after them and it's, uh, and it's interesting because as, as small of a part as those characters kind of have throughout the story, um, they're incredibly well done and interesting. So you actually are invested in them, even though they're kind of supposed to be like the bad guys, but I, I think they're two of the best characters in the story. So I was just going to say, I loved about the characters in the story that it's like it's um, sort of uh, stock characters enough that you you really don't need a whole lot of backstory on a lot of the characters. And, you know, obviously you, you feel as though you're going to eventually get there, but, but you know, this is only the first six issues of, of a series, and but you don't need that. You feel like you already know them. You are, like, I mean, just with Alana's first line of, I feel like I'm going to shit. Am I shitting? Um, when she's giving birth, you're just like, oh, okay, she's cool. <laughs> See, if I could give birth, that's what I would be like. Oh, my God, am I taking a shit right now? Um, so, so I mean, like... You, you are so beautiful, baby. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, he's, he's like... Fuck you, this oh, is your baby. fault. Yeah, and he's like, oh, baby, like, you're so beautiful. You're so amazing. And she's like, cut the, cut the shit. Like, or are you... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it is, um, but yeah. So, so like you feel like you're getting like a little bit of the stock character, but at the same time, it, they've got just like a little twist, or like you're still getting some of that, um, you know, some underlining story with them. And I really appreciate that. Like even some of like the. Um, like when they speak in a foreign language or the fact that you really don't 
get a whole lot of backstory on people, you still kind of, or, or like kind of the culture of the people or like the different planets or all that stuff, you just kind of understand. Because, you know, obviously this book is written for comic book nerds who have a sort of understanding of Star Wars, Star Trek, um, you know, those things that are kind of ingrained now in our culture where it's like you don't need to open the book with... 5,000 years ago, a war began between two planets. And, you know, so it was just like, it was nice that, you know, we just start, we're going, you know, we could, everything's just, uh, yeah, exactly. She's literally <laughs> shitting herself because she's pushing out a baby. Um, and uh, uh, it, it, it's just like, from the get-go, explosions and, uh, you know, you're already fearing for their lives and they're, it's awesome. Often we have Q loving a book. It's all kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> Often, listen, this is what, number nine? I've only disliked, like, three books. Yeah, but when you disliked them, you really mm-hmm. disliked them. So, yeah. um, I'm sorry I'm very opinionated. That's why you're on the show. Um, <laughs> and and it's, it's always funny because I've said multiple times on this podcast that I've I'm always more into a comic for the dialogue and for the writing. Uh, this is a very, very big exception for me because, I mean, these characters, like the the Prince of, um, oh God, what's the computer head guy's name? Uh, Prince Robot Four. Prince Robot Four, yeah. He, uh, it's it's literally like you said, it's a person with like a, a computer monitor for a head, and you know, he and all these characters are. It's it's like going like you mentioned Star Wars. It's like going to the Moss Eisley Cantina. And capturing kind of that sense of wonder and like, holy shit, we are in another universe, and kind of getting that. And the and the artwork in this is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, Fiona Stables just does a fantastic job, but it's the way these these characters, well, the sense like uh, Q said, they do feel somewhat familiar. Like we've seen these kind of tropes before, but they're done so originally. As far as you know, hey, we've got Marco with the horns and Alana with the wings that have been clipped and. Uh, the daughter is a combination of both, and Prince Robot Four, and everything else. Uh, the stock—they're just so unique and different that it really does feel like we're enjoying a story from a galaxy far, far away, and not something that we're all familiar with. So that's for me to say. I'm all about the art and something like this. Again, it's a very rare thing, but uh, congrats, Stables. You did a great job. She did, and it's also—it's interesting. Her artwork. Um, I was flipping through. Uh, she did. She's been doing the new. Uh, Archie comics, um, the the new revival. Which I've heard I need to read, actually. Maya's always telling me about them. I was flipping through one, um, and it looked pretty interesting. I I borrowed it from somebody at work. They happened to have it, and I just opened it up to take a look at it. And her art style is actually very different. She kind of varies her art style depending on what the new project project is. And this has, um, comparatively speaking, this that one has more of a um, you know classic comic feel. It's it's great art, but it it has more of the classic lines that you would expect. And this one almost has more of a a watercolor effect, and it might just be the the color tones chosen or whatnot. But it it, it feels more uh, almost fine arty kind of thing. You know, it has it it's it has a uh, more of a painterly quality to it, which uh, I actually really like as well. So so speaking of the art, I also love that you know the things that are gruesome, the things that are sexy, the things that are uh, you know just sort of your plain everyday stuff are just very very well done like I mm-hmm. I love like even the cover with her breastfeeding like it's not like and this is me feeding a breast uh, you know my breast in a political statement it's just like no bitch we're on the run and I gotta feed this kid <laughs> and um but my my favorite character is actually Isabel oh, yeah. the ghost babysitter teenage ghost she fucking cracks my ass up when she's like, yeah, so like on our planet when you die, you have to like fucking haunt everyone. So like, this You're is awesome. You're wrong. 
Yeah, exactly. And she's like, uh, she's like, also, oh, you should have switched tits. Like, ten minutes ago. <laughs> this is, this is um, about, yeah, I'm taking advice from a girl without a vagina or something like that. Exactly, and also, and she's saying all of this while her intestines are literally hanging out of her, and it's it, it, like it's so disturbing, yet so hilarious, and um, I and I I, I I just loved her. I loved her, you know, the fact she's like kind of a jerk, but also like she's like no no, no I I know what I'm doing, and I know what I'm talking. Well, considering about. the fact that she died by stepping on a landmine, I mean, she's kind of a tragic character in the sense that she has every right to be a huge bitch. And she's just, mm-hmm. she kind of just reminds me of like your almost like stereotypical teenager where she's plucky and kind of annoying mm-hmm. and a little bit of a bitch, but in a good way. And, and, and also one of the lines that she has is when all the other ghosts desert them and she's like, you guys act like you died yesterday. <laughs> so it's like, well, how long has she been dead? Has she been dead actually a very long time? And that's why she is so bitter. Like, is she actually like a hundred years old? Um, but you know, still stuck in her teenage form with her intestines once again, literally hanging out of her. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, I I just freaking love that. I thought that was. Well, great. I feel like if if this had been a sitcom, Isabel would be, you know, like if it was like a, a standard, you know, two camera at home, the family sitting there, the the new parents, you know, have the kid. She'd be the sassy teenager from next door who happens to know everything about the kid, mm-hmm. but annoys them enough that like they can't necessarily get rid of her, but they still need her. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it, it is an interesting. I mean, although this is a space space opera, I feel like it kind of jumps genres sometimes. Like, it has a little more of a has a comedic quality. It feels more like a family drama at some points in time. Um, you know, it has some magic. It has some space, and like, it has a little bit of everything in it. Um, also, I was really shocked at the adultness of mm-hmm. the story. I was like, oh, titties. Oh, hey. Oh, look, dick and balls. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah and I was, uh, so, so at first I was like, oh, boobs, like, yawn. Yay, yay straight boys, so they get titties in this book. And I was like, oh, and that, that's a robot penis. Oh. oh, just wait till issue 12 and you get a uh, you get a shot of a, a gay bukkake scene. Oh, my yeah. word, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, the, if you hadn't heard about this, and apparently Q hasn't, uh, this book got uh, banned from iTunes briefly uh, because through Comixology, there is an image of a, it's it's one of the robots he's dying and, and, and as their thoughts appear on their TV screen, he uh, it basically has an image of, you know, giving a blowjob to some guy and uh, Comixology kind of freaked out being like, oh, maybe this, you know, violates you know, iTunes' you know, content policy and so therefore we will uh, get uh we will get you know in trouble or whatever. So they pulled it. At least that's the story. So they don't mind straight up sex and like a yeah. sex planet and like mm-hmm. angels with strap-ons and uh, you know once again people getting holes blown through their chest. But God forbid. Well, they, and, and literally women who are heads on legs, like they're just like walking vaginas. And looks like uh, Hillary Clinton, by the way. Um, <laughs> No, it, it goes back to the the rule. Like, uh, if again, I, I think I've mentioned it before. Uh, one of my favorite documentaries of all time is called "This Film Is Not Yet Rated," and it's about the Motion Picture Association of America and how they rate films. And basically, you know, what will get you an R rating and what will push you over to like an NC-17. And um, you can show, like, you can show nudity, you can have sex, but you can only have so much that you can't show thrusting a certain way, and you can't show, like, a female orgasm, or you can't show any kind of fluids. Like, there's all these weird rules. So, like, yes, like, you can have a penis on screen for an R rating, but if the penis is erect, you would get an NC 17. So, there's all these weird, dumbass rules, and so. Wait, so, okay. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna go back on something on here. So, 
You can't show a woman orgasming, but you can show a man orgasming. It's it might be different now. I mean, I, again, the the documentary was made about I'd say at least ten years ago. But, and I think there's a secondary um, one coming out. And if I remember, I, I've, I've heard some rumors about that, which I hope because I I absolutely again it's my favorite documentary of all time. It's one of my favorite films. I watch at least every six months just to piss me off <laughs> about the about the movie industry uh, and how it basically it is a form of censorship uh, because these. Uh, a perfect example was they show and there was they interview uh, Matt Stone from South Park, and they mentioned that they had made Orgasmo, which is one of the funniest movies ever made, <clears throat> um, and they submitted it. And they got an NC-17, and they're like, "Well, what can we do to change this to get an R rating?" And they're like, "Oh, well, we're not a censorship board. We can't tell you." Well, flash forward a couple years to where they did South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut, which in and of itself is a dick joke. Um, <laughs> They submitted it and got got on NC-17, and when they sent the movie back, they had a two-page list of everything they could change to make it rated R. The only difference between Orgasmo and South Park was South Park was backed by Paramount, and Orgasmo was an indie film. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they bring up like uh, the movie, uh, uh, oh, what's what's the movie with uh, that makes Hillary's? Oh, Boys Don't Cry. There's a scene where he's going down on a chick and comes up, and he's got like pussy juice on his lawn his mouth and that was deemed inappropriate when he wiped it off that made it NC-17 they had to cut that part out um it's very very against that kind of stuff but also it's very very against male nudity I mean you can show a tits and a vagina but you don't you show I mean you can show tits in a PG-13 movie but you show too much of a dick and you can get an R or NC-17 um and like I said if it's an erect penis it's an immediately NC-17 so anyway that's that's where it kind of goes the whole comicsology the because that scene does so it's in two panels one scene is a cum shot so it's but I didn't even really notice it like I didn't notice it until I think it was Geek Show pointed it out and I was like holy crap I went back and pulled it out I'm like oh that's a cum shot I'm flipping through this again there's literally a dude with a bottle up his ass fucking a girl so (laughs) like Like you do I, I should say for those people who haven't read it I would not be frightened off on our conversation of the weird sexual acts that are depicted it's like in this. two pages. And, and so, so it's two the, pages, and B is not major plot points. It's yeah, just, and, you and, know, and like that, it's and actually like, done fairly well. That's why I was so shocked by it because it's so nonchalant and, and like a, nobody cares. Like nobody cares about this. Like it's just like okay, titties. Like moving on. The the, the only thing that I kind that I'm kind of like uh, about is. Um, the stalk, like, I don't understand why she needs to be topless. Like, I understand, like, the no arms thing, because she's, like, a spider, but it's just, like, did, did she really need to be topless and have her titties out? Probably not. Well, I mean, I think the one thing that really uh, you know, appealed to me, not that I've appealed to the weird sex shit going on in the book, Bullshit. was, well, yeah. Lies, lies, lies of Manelli. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got a whiskey bottle up my ass right now, I'm sorry to tell you. Um... No, I just I love the fact that the book treats us like adults. You know, it's not it's not showing you a titty to get that little like you know thirteen year old laugh like oh, I saw a titty. It's just like hey, this is a world where there's a planet that's dedicated to sexual and sexual perversions. Here it is, and kind of lets you go with it. And you can and I just think it's great that oh okay this this exists in this world. Let's move on. It it lets us it treats me like an adult, and I really really enjoy the fact that. They didn't make it like a big deal. It was just kind of a matter of fact. There you go, and now let's go to the next page and see what happens. So. Well, and the other thing I, I do kind of appreciate, I mean, because this book, Brian K. Vaughn has said, I think they've said in interviews that they've deliberately tried to make a book that could never be made into a movie or a TV show. Like it will only ever be a comic, and that Fuck is their them. intention that way. Because hmm. I I feel like they put in enough stuff there that you know if you did try to make it a movie, it would be 
well, you know, a, I mean, you could with in the day and age of Game and Throw, Game of Thrones, you could probably put it on an HBO. You, know. you could do an HBO, yeah. You could totally because this was HBO. this was pre uh, pre Game of Thrones, I believe. Oh, actually, it, oh. it was announced that uh, in 2011 at Comic Con and was billed as Star Wars meets Game of Thrones. So I guess it's <laughs> I guess it's been around since Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, but I, I do like the fact that they're I mean they're sticking to their guns to the fact that they. Um, you know, don't want it to be made into a movie. And even if it was made into a movie, I don't like. If, if suddenly it came along and they said, "Okay, well, you know, we got a good deal from HBO," and I, I don't personally, I don't think I'd be insulted as long as they were still involved in it. Because Brian K. Vaughn also has uh, done some show running on some television shows, and if that was something that he felt he could handle, I would probably be okay with it personally. Um, but uh, the other thing I think is interesting is I don't remember if it's this one or there's another comic I read from uh, Image um, that. In their contract, they can only ever sell the comic book for a certain amount. Like they can't over overcharge for it. Um, and uh, I believe this was also this might. If I, if I was reading about it, this book was so popular that uh, what was end up happening is is that uh, comic shops were not buying um, enough initial issues because they just knew that it was probably getting a second printing, and they kind of had to sit there and say, "Okay, look, fuckers." <laughs> I think it was like didn't it go like seven printings or something crazy. Uh, it was, one of, it was of one of the issues, yeah, they did. So then eventually they had to sit there and say, "Okay, we're only doing one printing. You need to order enough to get to you know. Don't keep counting on us doing a second printing, as you know that should not be the way we're going to do everything because it kind of screws over the publisher more than anything else. But I think they actually have like a flat fee, like it's in their contract, like it can only ever be. This so much can only ever be charged for this book, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Out of I, I think it's, like, I think it's and that kind three of bucks, something like that. And it's only like ten or something like dollars for the trade. I think, um, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, Brubaker and uh, his uh, his Fade Out series has something similar. I think the trades can only ever go for like ten dollars or something like that. Like they're mm-hmm. you know, rather than having you know prices be jacked up on a popular series for the. Uh, for the uh, you know for the uh, you know comic shops to make a little extra money you know they're having a certain amount of respect for the uh, the readers to you know not necessarily have them lose all their fun uh, all their money you know which is true because I just bought um, volumes two through six for fifty bucks which uh, you know mm-hmm. very good use of sixty bucks in my opinion I mean I just really I I the characters were just so much fun and once again, like I just want to keep reading about them like I care enough about them that I want to know what happens. Like the, so, you know, some of the other books that we've read, Lock and Key and, um, like, like some of like the big name books, uh, like Civil War or Batman or Superman, like it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm eventually going to know what happens because they're mainstream. But I have to say this, this one, I'm like, I want to know what happens. I want to know why, um, Alana can't fly. I want to know what's up with, you know, the different kind of winged people. I want to know who the Will is and why he has the sort of moral compass, even though he's a bounty hunter. Um, I, I want to know what started the war. I want to know what how the fuck these robots fit into this and why they're the ruling class. Um, I want to know what's going on. Okay. Well, it's a glowing recommendation, actually. Uh, Todd, do you have any thoughts on this since you've been a little bit quiet on the subject so far? I have. I've been drinking a lot here. I'm, I apologize. And enjoying good. listening to Q and Adam talk, which is always really easy to do. <laughs> <laughs> Aww, thank you. You know, what I, I really like, and a little bit of my review going through it all, is even with Q bringing up the opening lines of, am I shitting? I think I'm shitting right now. Is just absolutely hilarious. And then the next scene where you see Marco biting the umbilical cord apart, not cutting it or anything, just using his teeth to bite it apart and going, hmm, I think there's more gristle here than I first thought. 
what the artwork and this book in general does so well, going back to the art, is it does so much more showing than it does talking about something. It doesn't... I mean, they go ahead and say, I love you, and doing these other things, but the ability for it to go and just show motivations and how people feel is some of the best I've seen in a very long time. So it's also a glowing thing, and some of the stuff is just so silly. I mean, the rocket ship forest where rocket ships grow, that's just <laughs> hilarious, man. But that, for me, had that kind of that fun idea of, like, yeah. a kid at play, you know what I mean? Like, that was what those those concepts of like you're sitting out there and you're playing with your action figures and they're and then they have to find this forest and in the forest they actually grow into rocket ships and that's where they you know because i mean if, if it's a world where magic is involved why wouldn't there be you know yeah why ships? not so yeah. yeah it is just so much fun and with the two warring tribes peoples planets it does a really good job of balancing things out and also you have all these rich side characters that we've been talking about it's so well thought out and made up. It is a world you can just walk into and live in. And there's a lot of things that seem much more contrived. And this one just has this natural, naturalistic, lived-in feel. Much like Star Wars originally did. That's quite nice. And I've been really enjoying that. And as I'm flipping through, even the guy from the secret police who can who is calling the the robot prince to tell him about you know he's got to do all this stuff for this mission mm-hmm. even him like his first scene is him playing us and be like oh this app just isn't downloading on my phone like you immediately know who this guy is that he's like this <laughs> kind of dick dude who doesn't care about anybody but he's like this is my job this is what I gotta do this is what I gotta say and and like once again you get the feeling that um, like the robot monarchy just really isn't that important and that's why he's really not treating him with respect and he's just kind of like uh, yeah whatever can you go like fucking do this that way I can get on with my job like the real work um, which is just really cool. And he's literally in two scenes. Yeah, no, that's really good. <laughs> and you've got the um, bounty hunter that's a spider. And for whatever reason, I remember watching an anime a couple years back, Wicked City. Do you remember this one, Brian? I remember this one from college. Oh, God. And one of, it wasn't a great anime, but one of the opening scenes is this guy's about to get it on with this chick, and then the vagina proceeds to get these really sharp teeth. And I've seen that one. Yeah. I think that's what turned me a homosexual. <laughs> I mean, absolutely terrifying. And for whatever reason, to this day, I associate spiders and arachnids with this chomping vagina teeth. And even just watching that, I'm just grossed out. I remember when we saw that, uh, like, because we, we, I think you bought it when we were in college. I think I did. And, I still have it and, somewhere. I'm sure you did. And we watched it, and I, the first thing I just thought was, like, there's a guy out there with way more issues with women than me. Like, there, it's right there. Like, that, that guy's been on way more bad dates than I had ever been on, which at the time seemed remarkable because I felt like I'd been on every bad date possible. It was great. And then even with the robot people, the uh, what, whatever they are, the, I'm um, sorry, I'm drunk. <laughs> it reminds me of those um, Fully Cooling, if you guys ever seen that anime. There's this character that has a television for a head. And it just looks like a snooty edition of this guy. So they're drawing from sources all over the place. And Fully Cooley, if you ever watch all six episodes, it's a mind trip. I had to watch it about five times before I'm going, you know, I think I'm starting to understand this show. So it was really good. But once again, my apologies. I've been enjoying this white spider a little too much. So here's to you, Q. That's what she said. Woo! 
Oh, so speaking of that's what she said, and then that's how my grandmother died. Um, <laughs> the other day, uh, we were, uh, I was sitting in rehearsals and we were bored, and um, the uh, this production mixer we were working with from Chicago uh, had uh, brought up the fact that there is actually a old Shakespearean equivalent of that's what she said, um, which is, uh, oh, what is it? Oh, it's uh, said the actress to the priest or actress to the bishop. That is the Shakespearean <laughs> equivalent of that's what she said. In case you ever want to feel highfalutin and fancy. I will be adding said. that into the Tempest at some point. <laughs> <laughs> See, and my go-to is like, ooh, can I fuck your dick up? <laughs> nah, I don't see myself saying that. <laughs> or... Yeah, I don't break in straight boys. I have to grab their ears. It's annoying. <laughs> I, I just, I, f- I feel awkward. Show me on the doll where the bad podcast touched you. <laughs> anyway, go read this book, you guys. It's really <laughs> the book is great. <laughs> the book is great. The people on the show are drunk and uh, yeah. and, 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 and giants. Yeah, sorry, mess. America, but seriously, this book is really good. You should. Yeah, see, we're we're horrible people, but we know what we're talking about. So yeah, this book is really good. Well, Adam, what, 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 we'll just keep going with reviews, I guess. What's your, uh, what's your uh, ultimate review? So on this? really fast, I just learned because. Uh, I went and sold off all my old comics at uh, the Big Chinese Robot Geek, uh, Geek Swap Meet a couple months ago. Oh. Um, I was just randomly just eBaying saga issues that I had. I'm like, never do that. If you sell your comic collection, you never, ever want to go see how much they're going for because I could have made a lot of money. <laughs> um, instead, I sold them for five for a dollar. But you know what? Someone out there is really happy. You've got to enjoy this book. Um, yeah, Like I said, this, is, this book is absolutely fantastic. I, I need to catch up with it. I'm only probably about 10, 15 issues behind. Uh, it just keeps getting better, too. There's so it, It's so cool to come across a comic that is not only telling us such a unique and wonderful story through these weird-ass characters we've never seen before, but, I mean, they build this universe from scratch, and it's very rare that you have an author and an artist who can do that. I mean, we can, you know, yeah, sure, you know, Superman and Batman and the X-Men are iconic, but they exist in a world much like ours, just twisted a bit. But this is, I guess it's kind of like what it would have been like seeing Star Wars as a kid for the first time. It's something you just so brand new and out there and just mind-blowing that you've never seen something like it before. Um, and that's kind of how I, I think of Saga. So it, it's definitely one of my favorite comics of all time. It's one I'm sad I'm not following still. It's just too, bu- <laughs> too busy. You know, life, you know, when you're when you're mid-twenties, you you have more free time somehow. Amazing and then your 30s hit. And then it's like the more gray hair you get, the less time you have. I'm still in my mid twenties. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You bitch. Um, But no, it's. I can give it like my highest recommendation. Uh, I think of, with the exception of like maybe the Dark Phoenix Saga, just because that's such a comic near and dear to me. uh, This has been the favorite one that we've done so far. Um, And I my favorite one. Yeah, and kind of clear my review, uh, or I'll jump in on my review a little bit Uh, when I got into comics, one of the first things I read was also a Brian K. Vaughn book. It was um, a book called uh, Why the Last Man, which I also thought was really good. I'm, I'm a little torn on the last issue, but outside of that, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I also, I, I think this book is, is amazing and highly recommended. And it's actually kind of nice. Like it's this book. Um, I was talking to, to somebody at work who had started reading this book and this is, this was their gateway drug, which I think is a little bit for me kind of unfortunately like uh, what my first concert going experience was because me and Todd we went and saw Metallica Mm -hmm. and say what you will about Metallica they put on a hell of a show and having that be your first 
you know, really concert experience. Everything else is a little bit of a letdown compared to that. Um, and I, I also, I kind of felt bad for this guy because like this was the first comic he was reading, and I was like, hey, you're gonna have a hard time finding something that competes with that. You know, like it's, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a little, it's, it's, it's a little too awesome to start out with, but it is really good, and I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty. It fires on all cylinders. It's, it's good art. It's good story. It's good dialogue. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's the whole package. It really mm-hmm. is. It is, uh, it is, um, uh, pretty awesome. So, um, anyway, so uh, Todd, do you have any uh, recommendations for this week? Well, I've really been enjoying Saga. Another one I'll bring up by Brian K. Vaughn would be The Pride of Baghdad. It's a uh, trade paperback one-off. Um, it's the whole thing contained in one story. It's a bunch of island um, lions that get loose from the zoo in the city of Baghdad, and they're going through while the city has fallen. And good allegories and just stories of what's going on there. Another very solid piece by Brian K. Vaughn. Highly recommend Pride of Baghdad. Awesome. Yep. Uh, Q, do you have any recommendations for this week? Go fucking read Saga. Um, <laughs> I just read it in an hour, and it is awesome. Once again, I, I totally can't wait for Amazon Prime to get those fucking books here. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that's happened. Oh, a TV recommendation. Um, even though I knew before the show premiered that I was going to fall in love with this show, and I knew eventually I would start watching it, uh, my friend gave me his Hulu account, and I watched the first five episodes of the Real O'Neills. Not O'Neills. The is it? Oh yeah, Real O'Neills. Mm-hmm. So I keep wanting to call them the Real McCoys, and I'm like, no, that's I the love '90s that band. Um, <laughs> but the real, the Real O'Neills. Martha Plimpton. I just fucking love her in almost everything I've ever seen her in, ever. Um, but this kid, and I should have Googled his name just now, but I didn't. The kid who's playing the lead gay son, he is so spot on. He is that awkward gay kid that any kid any kid who is gay knows. Like, you just, when he's like, oh, I'm crushing and I'm flirting with this boy. And it's like, no, you're not flirting. You're just being awkward. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's like the, per- it's so, he's so perfect. And he's, uh... Uh, it's so good. I highly recommend the the real O'Neills. Yeah, you're you're thinking of a uh, match. Uh, you know, it, no, uh, Noah Galvin is his name. Okay. Oh, he's so good, so hilarious. And what's what's really funny is I I saw the first episode. I loved it, and I was like, oh crap, I love this. It's going to get canceled. Well, it didn't. Thank God. Um, but what's really funny is the it's loosely loosely based on the life of Dan Savage growing up, who's for me, kind of a, a bit out there. Um, oh, is it really? Dan Savage yeah. as in the sex podcast guy? Exactly, yeah. So, again, <laughs> loosed very, very basely. Based very loosely. Loosed um, like Dan Savage? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I think was funny was... Yeah. They wanted... Um, they were hoping to get a gay actor to play this role, and Noah Galvin is gay. Um, but due to the workplace laws in California, it's illegal to ask that on a on an interview, or even like, mm-hmm. so because he was auditioning for the role, they couldn't be like, hey, are you gay? Uh, even though in this case, they were trying to find a gay actor, so they had to go like stalk his Facebook. <laughs> 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 they stalked like all of his social media to find out if he was gay, so <laughs> before they hired him. <laughs> I have a friend who's an actor, uh, two friends who are actors in, in Hollywood, and they uh, they don't say that they're actually married on uh, on their Facebook because 
casting directors check that out, and if you were married, they think you're older than you really are, um, or they, really? they think you're older than you can play. Because like he, he's in his 30s, but he looks young. He he's been on a few TV shows, and he, he plays a 20 year old fairly frequently. Um, but yeah, but they don't put the fact that they're married on their Facebook um, because it yeah it theoretically casting directors go oh they're old enough to be married they you know they're probably too old to play this role. So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the Rule of Neils, it's great because it's an Irish Catholic family with a gay son, who's, and it, it's just, it's wonderful watching it with Eddie, because Eddie grew up Irish Catholic, <laughs> so like, I think it's hilarious, because I grew up very conservative and religious as well, and the, you know, you've got the one million moms and everyone bitching about, oh, it's horrible, it's making fun of religion, it's poking fun at religious ideals, it's not making fun of it, it's, it's very much presented very kindly, and just, if you grew up in that kind of environment, you're going to have fun with it. Um, and Eddie just thinks it's, it's hilarious because it's very much like his family growing up. So it's harmless, it's innocent, and it's a ton of fun. It's hilarious. So I'm with Q. That's a great recommendation for this week. Uh, Adam, do you have any of your own personal recommendations? Uh, two things, actually, yes. So uh, Grizzly Shark uh, Returns, which is the sequel to Grizzly Shark, the original. Um, Girl, get out of here. No. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think actually I talked about this. Uh, I think uh, one of our very first episodes. Uh, it's written by Ryan, written and I think drawn by Ryan Otley, who's a local boy from Utah. Does the art for and, um, and, uh, Invincible, which is one of my other favorite books that's out. Yes, and it, it's just what it sounds like. It's it's Jaws in the forest eating rednecks, nice. and that's it, it's gory as hell, but it's done a really really cutesy art style. Um, if, if that at all sounds interesting to you, it's one of the funniest things <clears throat> I've ever read. Uh, my buddy Brooks is a huge Jaws fan. I'm trying to get him hooked on it. But uh, so far, it's just been two issues. Uh, the first one was uh, they actually took the original comic from years ago and colorized it. Uh, but it's and next. Uh, oh, what's hold on here? I gotta open it up really fast because next week it's <laughs> Grizzly Shark versus the Sea Bear. So it's literally a shark versus a shark bear. <laughs> okay. It, trust me, it's awesome. It's amazing. He eats a bunch of rednecks, Republicans, and Boy Scouts. So uh, do that. And then also uh, Civil War Two just kicked off, uh, which I know is getting kind of some mixed reviews out there. I think it's awesome. Uh, it's It takes place where there's an, an human comes up who has the ability to see the future. And so the argument between Captain Marvel and Iron Man becomes, do we use this uh, inhuman's powers kind of like uh, minority report status to stop crimes before they happen. And, you know, they, they argue about that, and the initial uh, issue kicks off with the death of one and possibly two big characters, which, again, in comics, people don't stay dead very often. Uh, but I wasn't expecting it. Uh, now, if you did read the free comic book day version of Civil War II, you kind of know what happened. <clears throat> but I like it a lot. I'm really excited to see where it goes. I'm probably not going to go invest in all the side stuff because that's 50,000 extra comics. Um, but if they keep going where they are with the main series, uh, Civil War II, looking like it could actually be better than the first one. So My only disappointment is, is they did not subtitle it Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> Points if you get that. <laughs> um, and my recommendation for this week, kind of on the, the Grizzly Shark uh, train, um, it's now on Netflix. It's a bit of an older book. or older Not older book. Older uh, mm-hmm. movie. But... Uh, uh, what is it? Tuck and Dale versus Evil? Or Tucker and Dale. Oh, Tucker and Dale. Tucker and Dale versus Evil yes. is now on Netflix. I was flipping through the day and found that I was on Netflix, and I was super excited. Um, well. For those of you who have not seen it or are not aware of what it is, basically it's these two rednecks who are out in the woods who um, 
Uh, there's a bunch of like teenagers, like college students who come on, you know, on a road trip and sort of like a classic cabin in the woods kind of fashion. And these two bumbling rednecks end up getting themselves into a bunch of situations where these teenagers seem to think that they are, you know, killers in a horror movie. And then as these teenagers keep dying in these terrible accidents, um, the uh, Tucker and Dale think that these teenagers have keep coming to commit suicide in front of them. So it's this sort of it's if you like horror movies, it's very funny because it plays on all sorts of tropes. Um, and uh, it has like a very funny like you know what if you know uh, what if Leatherface you know just was running away from bees and that's why he was running around with a chainsaw in uh, in the middle of the woods uh, kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, and it plays a great tribute to Fargo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and and it has Wash from uh, from uh, Firefly, and Tudor, and yeah. whose birthday is the same day as mine, and I'm very proud of that. I can leave uh, Fargo. So uh, so I have a, a great affinity. So. Anyway, awesome. Does anybody else have anything uh, else they would like to uh, pitch or discuss or anything like that? Go see the nice guys. Yeah, nice guys, yes. Okay. Uh, and I'll throw in one quick Netflix thing as well. Uh, season two of Chef's Table just dropped, which is the documentary series by the same director who did uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, which is, one of the, again, another great documentary. Um, this one just follows around some of the like the top six, seven chefs in the world, um, shows how they do stuff. And if you have a 4K TV, it streams in 4K, and mm. you swear to God, like you could reach your TV and eat this food. Like it's if you're a chef or love cooking, this is like one of the best shows out there. That's what me and Jess refer to as food porn. Yes. Oh, it's it's food porn beyond belief. Like you will come. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, fantastic. Okay, so next week we are doing, I believe, Bitch Planet. Is that currently the plan? Mm-hmm. Still? Okay, we're doing Bitch Planet, um, which I don't have a copy. Does anybody remember? It's uh, De McCormick. I'm, how do you say her last name? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick. Yes, who is mm-hmm. quickly married to another famous writer, comic book writer. Is that wrong? For some reason, I thought that was the case. I'm Googling as fast as I can. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, she's married to Matt Fraction. Yeah, Duh. Matt Fraction. They did Sex Criminals together. Yes, so. that's okay. Right, which Sex Criminals, also an amazing book. I, I love Sex Criminals a lot. Um, but Bitch Planet, um, quick summary from as much as I've read, because I'm not quite finished with it yet. And, you know, we still have a week to read it before we have to uh, actually record about it. Um, is uh, It's about a, a planet that is a woman's prison. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's also a future where the patriarchy has sort of run amok slightly. And uh, women get thrown in prison for all sorts of ridiculously silly things by, you know, just not necessarily being the right wife or, uh, you know, not having the house clean. You can almost get uh, thrown in prison for that. And, uh, yeah, so it's a... It's it has a very sort of um, almost grindhouse kind of vibe to it to a certain extent even in the art has kind of a pulp vibe to it they have like the the dotted uh, color backgrounds and things like that it's it's very mm-hmm. cool um, the art is awesome uh, and uh, it's a fun book I, uh, I like it I'm looking forward to getting everybody's opinion on it and uh, we're going to work on having a special guest here so it's not a bunch of guys talking about a girl comic book not that it's a girl comic book specifically for girls but it definitely deals with women themes so, so we're not yeah. stumbling in the dark talking about morons we're going to Try to get a special guest here. We'll see how that works out. Yes, uh, actually, yeah, Brooke Heim, yes. uh, who uh, ran, she ran the uh, nonconformist female uh, panel at Fanex just a couple mu- couple months ago. Uh, she, I told her about this, and the moment I even like, I could barely have hit send within moments. I had back. Oh my god, fucking yes! So she's very very <laughs> excited to hop on with us uh, next week and go over this. So Fantastic. unless Celine blows up, she'll be here to, to, to school us all. Yep. And we look forward to having her. So that'll be exciting. Uh, yeah, so that'll do it for this week's episode. Um, if you like what you heard, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, also on our website, www.funnybooksandfirewater.com. Um, on there, there's also a uh, 
contact link, which will send a lovely email straight to me, um, and then I can distribute it to uh, whichever panel member you are. Uh, you have a poster on your wall that you cut out of Teen Beat, and you are dreaming of them at night. Um, Send dick pics. <laughs> Only to Adam Wade. Um, and Thank you. Do you, you want them too? Yes. Uh, uh, if, if you want to send dick pics, I'll give you their uh, their uh, exact uh, email address. Um, and uh, yeah, also, uh, if you could uh, go on to uh, iTunes or uh, Stitcher or um, Google Play, whatever you download this on, and uh, give us a good rating, and give us a like, you know, maybe some nice comments. Uh, that helps other people find us and helps us to uh, do well, and we would appreciate that much. Um, but yeah, for that, uh, I think that'll do it. So uh, until then, uh, please support your local comic shop and don't forget to tip your bartender.